And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gonna be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. East season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson was top rookie, I'm saying it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> AJ, I, I see you, man. She. Welcome to Anything is Portable! The Boston Celtics podcast here on The Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, everyone. Jay. I feel like you, got, you got a little pep in your step today. I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're, you're coming in hot. I came in real hot. You got to bring the energy because uh, it's the off season now. You can't just like uh, stumble in here and expect to get off a good uh, a good podcast. No, you got to put in that effort, put in that work. Uh, a lot has happened uh, since we last podcasted. Not in the world of the Celtics. Actually, nothing has changed in the world of Celtics. But since we last podcasted, the Los Angeles Lakers won an NBA championship. And that's pretty much it. I don't think we have to really cover that anymore. I don't have to talk about it. It's certainly not something I would like to discuss. Uh, if you want, we could get into a MJ versus LeBron debate, but I don't think that's worth any of our times. Because I'm the GOAT anyway. <laughs> that's That was that was where I was going to land on. Um, but there are a few things. We asked the listener gods out there for things to talk about. And I'm going to start off with actually plugging an article we uh, – host here on The Athletic, uh, written by the great John Hollinger. He gave away, um, this is from my main man, Eddie. He asked us to talk about this. He wrote about all the different player and team options um, that could be kind of executed in this offseason. Three Celtics people, personas, personas, uh, players? Players, personas, where did that come from? I don't know. I came in high, now I'm losing it. But there's three Celtics players on there. Um, Shemi Ojale, there's a team option for him. Uh, and John Hollinger predicts that the Celtics will not uh, take that option, execute the option. What do they do to the option, Jay? Pick up the option. Ooh, that's why you're a writer. I'm just a law-talking guy. Um, but do you agree with uh, Hollinger's prediction that the Celtics do not pick up Shemi? Have we? Is this the last we've seen of the thick jack frame in Boston? I think there are paths this offseason that include Shemi Ojale still on the Celtics. 
I think because of how crowded the roster will be with all the returners expected, plus three first-round draft picks, plus all the financial concerns the Celtics have with the luxury tax coming, I think keeping Shemi might be more of a luxury, pun, pun intended, than, than a necessity. And and they they might see it that way. Obviously, he's been a guy who's played minutes for the Celtics basically his entire career. He's started playoff games. He played in playoff games this past season. He's become a much better shooter. But I think one reason why they could move on from Shemi is just the finances of it. Like even though he doesn't make a lot of money, just cutting anything given all the luxury tax concerns could be a big deal. And then the other thing is they, they'll have younger guys. And one of them is Romeo Lankford, who I think they'll probably want to open playing time for. And Brad has always returned to Shemi. And I'm not sure it would be the worst thing for the Celtics future to have to give those minutes to somebody else, um, whether it be Lankford or a first round pick or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I like Shemi. I like his contributions have been awesome. He was the Giannis stopper for a series, um, but he's what at best, if everything's going well and no one is hurt, he's your 10th man, 11th man on the roster. And you're right. There's like space for guys like Romeo needs to play. I think he takes some minutes away from Grant Williams at this point because it was very, although they played next to each other in some lineups, it felt like it was either a Grant game or a Shemi game. And I think if you're going to want to do development, you kind of have to free up space. It makes sense that they don't want to pay him, especially if they want to get a luxury tax. But, you know, like I'm going to miss the games in which he didn't play and just hearing the medicine ball just slamming against the locker room door. But I don't know. They're, they're just there doesn't seem to be a need for him. It's like it doesn't it's not the biggest deal in the world if Shemi does not play on the Celtics next year. I will, I'll be sad because. I don't even know if I'll be sad. I've gotten pretty... Uh, You'd be a little sad. You'd I'd be a little, little sad. sad. He seems like a Je- good guy. He, he seems like a really good dude. He definitely has a great work ethic. Coaches bring him up as their example of great work ethic. Like Scott Morrison was hyping up. I forget which youngster it was. And basically saying, like, just follow what Shemi does. Shemi, Shemi's the one as it regards to work ethic the 2018 2019 brad stevens award for most improved player on the celtics even though he (laughs) didn't receive any additional opportunities no he just got mentioned as they said the most improved but he was also maybe that year the only player who improved uh jalen brown got a little bit better but he went to the bench his production was not as good yeah well he started going down to the bench and then he uh, rose back up but so you're that, trying. That was a very least improved type of team. It wasn't great. It wasn't um, fantastic. But I love that we we're the only Celtics podcast that opened with uh, first five minutes about Shemi. But I would have to agree. I don't think the Celtics pick up his uh, option, even though it's only like what a million dollars, million one point two. Um, the next person on the list is it's a player option, and it is Celtics Twitter's favorite player. One of the unsung heroes of the playoffs. That's right. Ennis Cantor, everyone. We heard some rumblings uh, that he was going to opt out. I th- I was like one of those like accounts, like the big like Celtic season accounts that for some reason has 
47,000 followers, but they're also following 40,000 people. And they attribute it to our friend Jared Weiss that uh, Ennis may be opting out. I looked all, all over The Athletic. I didn't see that report. But Hollinger seemed to think that uh, Ennis may opt in, but then may be traded. Uh, I don't know. What's your read on this whole Ennis situation? You're a guy who knows things and has sources. Uh, any Any news to break for us, Jay? If you look at the center market, Traditionally and certainly recently, it's hard to see Ennis Cantor making more money than his $5 million player option. He would probably be a veteran's minimum guy if he declines to pick up that option, and which would mean it would take him almost three years to, to make up that money. What if he doesn't care about money? What if he just wants uh, minutes? That's totally possible, but there aren't many places he could go where he could win and have an obvious role. What if it's not about winning? What if it's just about having a role? That's, I mean, that's certainly possible. That's That could happen, and there could be somebody who sees Ennis Cantor differently. All it takes is one team to dictate a market. But bigs recently have been... Pretty cheap. You can get an Aaron Baines type for that price. You can get like like pretty good bigs. Daniel Tice for that price. Like you can get dudes for that price. I just think if Cantor does decline the player option, he'll probably be costing himself money, and that usually doesn't happen. <laughs> People um, don't normally just give up money unless they're going to a smaller like a a smaller role on a, like a championship team. And they're like later in their career. I don't, haven't heard any like talks about that. I mean, I think Ennis would know that his like playing time, I think would probably take a, a, a significant check down just because both of the Williamses are probably going to play more next season. If you were the Celtics and say that it was a team option, there's no way they'd be picking that up just for all the kind of money considerations you talked about with Shemi. Like if the Celtics had their control here, they they would not want Ennis back on this roster. Uh, I'm not so sure that's the case. Tell me why, good sir. Uh, I mean, one year ago, Danny Ainge decided to target Ennis Cantor <laughs> in <did>. free agency. <laughs> that's a fair it, point. It was Danny Ainge who did that. So D- Danny Ainge has a at least a relatively high opinion of Ennis Cantor. He thinks Ennis Cantor could be a helpful player in the regular season. Ennis Cantor usually does help. Um, does that even matter? Does like a regular season contributor, like why is that valuable uh, at all? Do you just need a guy to take up eight minutes a game? Why not give those yeah, minutes to Grant I, or Rob? I don't think at this stage the regular season should be Boston's concern. Um, but like he does have uses and they clearly determined one year ago that he they was, gave him this contract. They gave him this option to be able to say, I want five million more dollars. So Yeah. And and I do think that getting Robert Williams and Grant Williams more time should be on their agenda. And I do think that even if Ennis Cantor opts in, the Celtics should look into his trade market and see whether they can get rid of his salary somehow to you know minimize the luxury tax payment forthcoming but i don't think that's promised i think there's a chance that ennis Cantor will be on the celtics next season 
That is painful news for a lot of Celtics fans. I've seen a lot of like uh, hypothetical trades where you package him with like the 30th pick just to get a second rounder, just completely dump his salary. Um, I wouldn't be too surprised if the Celtics are doing that. I'd be shocked if the Celtics made all of their first round draft picks just with the amount of space that they have on the roster right now. Although I think the last time they did that, they made all of their first round draft picks and ended up like stashing Yabu. Um, man, wonder what Yabu is doing today. But something fun. That, that dude has a fun <laughs> life. I remember his Instagram page was just always him sitting in a pool with an incredible view. Yeah, or on a boat with an incredible view. Yabu likes to be near water and he just uh, likes to flex on it. Yabu um, lives a life. This is also a question we got from my main man, Eddie. Uh, considering you want to kind of develop Grant Williams and maybe Rob Williams, and this is a question that is for many months in the future because we don't even know when the NBA season is going to start. Do you consider moving Daniel Tice to the bench and starting one of those guys next year to kind of get their development uh, going? No. That should not be a thing the Celtics do just to get someone's development going. If if Robert Williams earns a role, if Grant Williams should be the starter, then sure, let them start. But start a starting position – on a team that reached the Eastern Conference Finals is not something that should be handed out just because a young guy should get more minutes. Now, are you ask, if you're asking me, should those guys play more, I do think the answer is yes. And I do think it should come at expense of the Ennis Cantor minutes rather than the Daniel Tice minutes because Daniel Tice was really good. Um, now, would you send Robert Williams to the G League just so he can get some minutes under his belt? i i took a second to register that yeah you did as a legitimate question and then i realized that you were just making fun of john corrales who it was a hot take that take yeah last going into last year that was his hot take i agree that i think you need more development on their fronts uh but daniel tyson has played too well last year for him you just to take his starting role i mean he was just fantastic in everything that he did and i don't know robert williams certainly b plus some would say an a minus but i know we're grading on different scales here but a b plus is still a solid grade and robert williams like does different things for the celtics um certainly in terms of like playing above the rim but i don't know if it like drastically changes uh i don't know they were top five defensive team in the league largely because of the effort of daniel tice Grant, maybe if he can be developed into a more three-point shooter and they can like play more five out, maybe he can like eventually get there. But I don't think it's something you just hand to a guy uh, just because you want them to develop. But I agree they need more minutes because uh, for them to be ready in the playoffs, hypothetically, they're going to need to be more seasoned than I think they were this year. Although, yeah. and and I think Cantor, even if he's on the roster still, it's pretty clear that playoffs are tough for him. Like, like there aren't many matchups that are good matchups for him in the playoffs. I, I think Philadelphia was one of those. But, like, looking forward to next year, Toronto is going to be a tough matchup for him. The Nets with Kyrie Irving are going to be a tough matchup for him. The Heat. <laughs> the Heat are going to be a tough matchup for him. Like, the all Bucks the teams are still going to be a good. Like basically, he it felt like he was only on the roster to slow down Joel Embiid for, like, that was his main purpose. Yeah. And so I do think getting guys 
the younger guys ready for the playoffs should be uh, a thing that they look to do next year. Ramp up the Robert Williams opportunities. Ramp up the Grant Williams opportunities. Those guys need to be ready if unless there's some other veteran center option that we're not even considering right now. I've seen some wild takes about there about like Tristan Thompson or um, who's the other big men who I think are available. Who I just didn't think would be, you would be able to get at a tax lay, uh, payer mid-level. I just don't know who's going to be like a, a guy willing to take a pay cut to come to Boston. I, I, to be honest, I haven't fully looked at all the unrestricted free agents, but you mentioned Aaron Baines. Like, is that, if is that who you want to spend your tax, like your mid, like, you're only going to the Celtics are only going to have a mid-level exception. If you have Tice and both the Williams or the William I, the Will I, are you also spending the your Willies. own? The Willies. <laughs> That's stupid. Uh, are you spending your only basically free agency dollars on another big man? I mean, it depends who's willing to come to Boston, right? Like, but don't if- you need a backup point guard at this point? Assuming we're like uh, Wanamaker's, uh, Gonna sign elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, if he if he does, he could be a restricted I mean, free agent. Like, it's it's not necessarily that he's gone either. So, and then like, who who's the perimeter guy that would help more than an Aaron Baines or a Tristan Thompson? If the Celtics could convince one of those guys to come, and I think it could be easier for the Celtics to convince a big man to come because I think. The role for a big man is pretty obvious, right? Like there are, there's an obvious path to minutes. There's an obvious path to being a big contributor. If if you're good and you're big, the Celtics need you. For guards, the Celtics, if they're healthy, they're they bring Marcus Smart off the bench. So I'm not sure that the opportunity is quite there for a perimeter guy, and I'm not sure that they could get or it might be tougher for them to get a perimeter guy to look at their situation and think, you know what? I could go there. I could compete for a a title or at least have a deep playoff run. And I could get my minutes and touches too. I, I just think it, it's easier to convince a big man on that front, but That's I could be wrong. Fair. I just think it's like, we, we talked a lot about we you wanting to get Grant and Rob some more minutes bringing another big man into that rotation. I don't think it makes like a lot of sense unless they're yeah. kind of that like uh, upper level big, but like, I don't know. Like I, I like Aaron Baines a lot. I really like what he did with the Celtics. I thought he was like a very strong defensive player, but what does he like his skill set? I feel like, what does it exactly bring? Like he is a very strong defender, but it, like, I know he can shoot threes now, but it's not like he's like really changing what the Celtics can do. I don't know what type of, five they could bring in that is like they don't have that kind of archetype on the roster right now yeah but it wouldn't be necessarily about having an archetype it'd be about having somebody that brad could trust in the playoffs with backup minutes and maybe maybe that guy is robert williams maybe that guy is grant williams i think the celtics have to look at their roster and kind of evaluate those guys internally before they decide whether to bring a big and what type of big to potentially bring in Okay, let's get like you. Let's imagine a world where Brad Wanamaker uh, does leave the team. I still think there's a role there for a backup point guard. And one of the questions we got from Sox Nation 613 is what do you think 
about where Tremont Waters lands on the depth chart next season. And so I think there's an interesting question. If Wanamaker's not on the team, I think there's a role to be had for backup point guard minutes um, just because there's a lot of playing Kemba and Smart together and there's just like a third guard. Like every cromulently build basketball team has like a third point guard. Uh, do you think Tremont Waters can come in and do that? Or do you think there's like more likely to go to a guy who's a little bit more uh, seasoned? I think giving those minutes to Tremont Waters would be a risk. He obviously had a really good season in the G League. I think there are questions about how much of that will translate to the NBA. Obviously, the size could be an issue. Obviously, he's not like an elite shooter for a point guard. Obviously, he's had turnover issues in the past. And he like he can really run a pick and roll. He's fun to watch. He does some things that not many guys can do at any level of basketball. But if you go into the season and you're relying on him as your fourth guard behind whoever starts and Marcus Smart, then like that I do think that's that's rolling the dice. Yeah, I agree. I just think he's also it's hard to hold this against him. And I think this is one of my arguments for why, like I've seen people be like, bring Isaiah Thomas back and give him minutes off the bench. It's really tough to have a, your backup point guard be uh one dimensional and just be a strictly an offensive guy. It's like they're both of those guys are hurt by the fact that they're quite short and Brad Stevens is a defensive coach and he wants you to be able to play defense. And it's just like to bring a guy in off the bench, who's just small, makes it so you can't really switch anything, makes it like there's others a target it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And so I think like that's one of the reasons Wanamaker, uh, they might likely keep him around just because he's he's not the biggest guy, but he's so so solid and so sturdy that um, you actually can switch things. And he's like more competent and stronger on the defensive end than I just don't think Tremont or uh, IT can really bring. Yeah, and I, I think the other piece of that is looking at the rest of the roster, right? And if, if you're expecting to rely more on Grant Williams at center, let's say. He can switch everything. And a a second unit of all big guys, like let's say Marcus Smart is your backup point guard, and he's playing with one of the starting wings and a couple other guys who can switch. Now all of a sudden you have a switch everything lineup that has a huge backcourt and could potentially be an awesome, awesome defensive lineup. So I think it's it's important to look at all that stuff too. And and if Grant Williams, if you think he's going to be your backup center, then then maybe that makes the most sense going bigger in that spot. If there's something else, like you you could look for for different ways um, to kind of maximize the second unit. But I think it's important to keep in mind everything too, and not just the specific guy when you think about roster questions, you know, deeper than, than the top five, top seven, top eight, whatever. That's fair. I just realized I completely forgot the entire point of this exercise and we were going through uh, player and team options and we didn't even bring up Gordon Hayward. I think I, it's just because it's so locked in in my brain that he's going to uh, opt in. I think I was reading an article today that, the cap is assumed to stay the same and pretty much only four teams are going to have like actual cap space. And so the idea that Gordon Hayward would opt out and become a free agent in that environment and turn down $30 million coming off another injury 
is uh, Frank Lampard. Thirty-four point two million. That's four more million. I forget that every single time, but I would assume you agree with me that Gordo is going to opt in. Probably, yeah. I do think it's like somewhat feasible that he could opt out and get a three or four year deal for enough, just enough money to make him think, okay, I'll go for the security of this rather than the, you know, uh, the insecurity of, of (laughs) opting in and then not knowing what's going to happen after that. Um, He's had enough injuries where maybe that's something he's thinking about, like, okay, if something does go wrong again, at least then I'd have a long-term deal to fall back on. I'm not sure what he's thinking about it, um, but I, I think that's feasible. I think the more likely option, and as you talk to people around the league, they think the more likely option is that Hayward probably opts in. That makes sense to me. I mean, it's just – there's. There's also everyone loves to get rid of Gordon Hayward right now because Celtics fans are so thirsty for trades that I've seen so many proposed Gordon Hayward trades that just make no sense. And now people are saying that he's a uh, uh, soft and he's like injury prone when it seems like most of his injuries have been complete freak accidents. So uh, this is going to be a long off season. One, we don't know when the uh, season's actually going to start. Two, the Celtics probably best option is just to run it back, and people hate running it back. They want uh, kind of just to. Love trades. They love trades. They love crazy ideas. We got some tweets talking about trading for Mitchell Robinson, which I think is just insane. He's literally just a worse Time Lord. Is he like, worse? He's not better. If anything, it's a lateral move from Time Lord. I've actually had this discussion with NBA people. And, and what are their thoughts? There are, there are some Mitchell Robinson supporters out there. I'll just say that. That's the most New York bias ever. That's because a guy does it in an MSG. Like Mitchell Robinson is quite good at jumping and blocking shots. I think he. I've, I've I've always maintained that if Robert Williams got the same amount of minutes as Mitchell Robinson, it would be very similar what he would have done over the first two years of his career. That's... And what is Mitchell Rob Mitchell Robinson had like what a good one season, one and a half season? Like where? What has Mitchell I mean, Robinson he, done? Didn't like he over just the last set the? Year? Didn't he just set the? the record for highest field goal percentage of all time. Did he? I, I, I did not hear about it. If he did, <laughs> I think he did. It, it's not a, a, is there a minimum attempt? That, in there? That or was he really like, matters. What was he? 80 for a hundred attempts? Like how many shots did Mitchell Robinson get up last year? He set the single season field goal percentage at 74.2%. Will Chamberlain used to have the record. How was that just putting up all the Kevin Knox misses and uh, just terrible shots? Like the man catches alley-oops. He's great at catching alley-oops. I would, I would say he's the, basically the same player as the time Lord. Um, We're going to train. Robinson has some some supporters. though. I I will say that because I have had this conversation and I've always said that, that Robert Williams is like Mitchell Bobinson. (laughs) <laughs> That's a t- you t- you say that you well, actually send that Mitchell, send that text Mitchell to people Robert in the league. Sin. That's terrible. That's terrible stuff. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. All right, a bunch of people want us to talk about the draft. This is from Watch the Games Bro, a number of uh, other different people, Lil uh, Red L, TM Dolo. Um, they said, yell about draft prospects after 20 minutes of YouTube research. I know nothing about the draft. I've just heard this is a bad draft and that you're not going to get anything good. I don't know. Yell what- about it. I'm going to yell about it. They're like, I don't expect anything to come from the 14th pick. Like I know Tyler hero last year is what 13th. Um, but when the drafts are good, I think like you assume that there's going to be more top end talent, but after like the 10th pick, it's entirely a crap shoot. And I don't know what you can expect from the 14th pick is seemingly very hard to evaluate talent when you can't see people in person and people like uh, seasons were canceled. And so I have no idea what to expect from the draft. I know Jared and Sam Vecini just wrote an article about uh, this guy, Kira something from Alabama point guard who they project the Celtics to take Um, kind of given our discussion before, I like the idea of a kind of uh, a backup point guard, Um, maybe some of them a bit more size than Tremont waters, but that's all the yelling I got. Uh, Kira Lewis from Alabama, um, new basketball powerhouse, Alabama. But I don't know. I got zero draft takes. That's that's right where you should be. You're not a draft guy. Never have been. I'll talk to Chris Grenham if I want to hear about the draft. What do you got? You you got any draft takes? What have you been hearing on the on the rumor mill? I I have not heard much about the Celtics <laughs> in the draft so far. I'm not going to lie. But this is a time of year when everything you do here you think is a lie because teams don't want to tip off who they actually like. They don't want to tell you who they actually like. So sometimes they tell you some bullshit, which, if you can recall, had a lot of people believing years ago that the Celtics were in love with Chris Dunn. And then they took Jalen Brown and – Jalen Brown got booed because everyone <laughs> wanted either Chris Dunn or a trade for Jimmy Butler. 
Well, I mean, the Jimmy Butler thing's looking um, not as bad of a take in retrospect. But yeah, I mean, like we saw last year with the Sixers, they basically told everyone they wanted Tybal and actually forced. There's some sort of trade there where the Celtics uh, basically got some assets for them just because they foreshadowed their pick. I have no idea what's going to happen in the draft. I think they trade some of their picks or take some uh, a draft and stash guy, but it's just going to be very bizarre to figure out what's going on in this offseason um, and like when they can even like start bringing guys in. It the the draft is in like what a couple of weeks now. It's uh, in a kind of an insane process. November eighteenth. Um, one of our so listeners more than a month. At the nice Tice asked, how are we going to get a Kongwu? I want that young man. I don't even know who Kongwu is. He's great. He's a he's a good big man. Athletic From where? big man. USC, bro. South Carolina or South Southern California? Southern California, the Trojans. Uh, all right. Well, sure. Let's bring him in. The nice Tice wants him. Um, moving on to some more questions from the listeners. This is a great question. Um, from our main man, producer, Andrew Schlecht. Actually, this is not a great question. This uh, question made me upset, but it's from our producer, Schlecht. Oh, shit. That's a, that's a messed up thing to say about the producer God. Well, I'm, I was going to ask a different question, which is way better, but then um, I remember we had Schlecht, and I wanted to get to that uh, more substantive one wow. earlier. Wow. Steven Adams and Terrence Ferguson for Gordon Hayward. Who says no? The Celtics immediately. Why I added, why, why would they want a broken down Steven Addison, Adams and Terrence Ferguson? What does that do for anyone? Gordon Hayward's quite good at basketball. He did Steven a lot Adams of things. pretty good at basketball, too. He's not what he once was, and I just don't think they need a giant plotting big man who doesn't know how to offensive rebound anymore because he just sees ghosts of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he still had... A lot of offensive rebounds this year. Not quite at his peak, but the man the man can still offensive rebound. But I, I'm with you. I think it's it's enticing to think about the Celtics with a center as one of their five best players and a big center to bang with the some top big men and grab rebounds and do all of that center stuff. But I think the league has shown, for the most part, you win with wings. And unless you have Anthony Davis or Bam Adebayo, like big men who really make a difference, the champions of, you know, like the the Warriors teams, they – like to downsize to Draymond Green at center during times that mattered. They otherwise it was like JaVale McGee and Gavon Looney and shit like that. Not shit like that. And and decent <laughs> players, but not great players like that. I think that and that but that's why it's it's hard to find a Hayward trade that makes sense because he is very valuable to the Celtics. And he does help them be really versatile and switchy and make them really tough to match up against for a lot of teams. And and it's like, how how do you how would you replace that? What would make sense? And I, I don't I don't think a Steven Adams deal would make sense, even though it is 
like enticing to think of this an iteration of the Celtics where they could actually play their five best players at the same time. Yeah, and have it be a good idea. But you basically the only like type of player you'd want back is you like ideally you'd want a center. But I'm just thinking like Stephen Adams can't be on the floor if the Heat goes small or not even small, but just have Bam at center. Like that's just not a workable lineup. And so I don't know. I don't know if the player exists as like a guy who's as good as Bam that the Celtics could trade or even like approaching that level of like a, a athletic enough center uh, who could be on the floor and kind of match the kind of energy of that. I think you're kind of disrespecting Steven Adams right now, by the way. I love Steven Adams, uh, but I don't think he's for the modern NBA. I mean, you saw against the Rockets, like he did not play down the stretch because like teams would just go small and he could just not do anything. I think that's like the way of the modern NBA is unless you have a transformational big man like Anthony Davis or Bam, you're going to get by by playing more small ball and you need a guy who can shoot threes. I think it just makes more sense to have a kind of more wing or switchy players. Like Steven Adams can't switch on. You can't play like you're kind of your best defense with Steven Adams on the court. Am I wrong? I just looked up his plus minus numbers in the rocket series. They weren't good. Yeah. And that's the Rockets are playing the most modern style in the NBA. And I don't think any other team's going to play exactly like that, but it's I would of, say the Rockets don't play a modern style. They play, they play the most like ex- a, hyper like extreme style. It's the most like threes and layups, like extreme it's basically analytics taken to its most extreme. I don't know if that's modern, but I just don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm slandering. Uh, maybe we'll have to get Schlecht on next week uh, to defend uh, proposing this trade, but, and his man, Steven Adams, but uh, we'll see. That now, was a lot of, a lot of Schlecht hate, a lot of Steven Adams hate. You know what? I'm just speaking from the heart here. <laughs> <laughs> this question's from Estes Samuel. Which team would translate best to winning the 2021 Slam Ball Championship? Ooh. Now, I don't know how to answer this question, but I saw you just got as excited as I did when I first read the uh, phrase Slam Ball. For those who don't remember, I think it was a show on Spike TV where they just put trampolines in front of uh, basketball hoops. And before going, basically everything was a dunk and you just, these players just jumped on giant trampolines and tried to dunk every single time. So I don't know how to evaluate this question, but I like the idea of just uh, thinking of slam ball. Like what makes a good slam ball competitor? I mean, I feel like you got to be, first of all, bouncy. Second of all, tough. Like they would have midair collisions at the rim. You, you really have to be tough, probably strong and explosive. I feel like Russell Westbrook would be a monster in slam ball. It's really about like attacking with reckless abandon, and that is Russell Westbrook. I think um, Russell Westbrook would have been a slam ball god. Maybe he still can be. John Morant. <laughs> John Morant does attack with some like reckless Zion? abandon. Zion would be. the Oh my goat. god! Oh my god! I can't believe that wasn't the first thing. He's Zion huge. Would be the goat. The slam ball goat. It'd be linebackering just like completely. Like, would you jump? Okay. Zion's coming through the lane. He has a trampoline advantage. You also can jump on a trampoline. Do you jump to try and contest his shot? Uh, if you do, you're a brave, brave soul, and you're also going to get just obliterated. I mean, I jump knowing I'm going to get obliterated because uh, 
when else you're going to get a chance to try and block Zion's sh- uh, shot with a bunch of trampolines. But I would be scared. It would be a dumb decision. But uh, nobody would, would ever beat the Pelicans. Zion Zion would be undefeated in slam ball. He would be the absolute goat. I mean, I, I, we should have. I'm actually ashamed for not thinking of that sooner. But yeah, that's absolutely the pick. It has to be Zion. Um, moving on to more questions. This is from Sig D. Why have the Celtics not brought back the Bill Russell era jerseys? If the Nets can bring back awful tie dye jerseys, why can't we have some classics back? Is people really out there yearning for some Bill Celt- Bill Russell era Celtics jerseys? I don't even just, know what, what just that the looks regular like. jerseys. They're 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 calling for an end to all these alternate jerseys that have become. I like the new Nets the black jerseys. jerseys. Fuck out of here. <laughs> the worst was those gray pajama jerseys. Uh, at least they don't have those like weird sleeve ones anymore. I don't know. I like the Nets jerseys. I don't know if they needed to go tie dye, but I like the powder blue. Powder blue is always. I a like the color. Nets joints. I like the Nets joints. Those those are hot. Those are hot. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> All right. I mean, that's good Jersey talk from uh, us. I'm trying to see. Uh, we had someone ask to play. Please yell at the YMCA to make them a bubble so they can play basketball game. That's from smart to my point. I got to admit it. I've played some pickup recently. Uh, it was I know it's the, the risk of doing it as a COVID risk, but I was just wanted to play some pickup. And let me tell you, I was bad. Uh, had no wins. Basically was tired after three possessions. Um, thought I was like practicing my left all of quarantines and so much dribbling with my left, like thought I could do just nope, nothing translated to a game. I was uh, still awful at basketball. I'm, I'm so jealous that you're reckless enough to play pickup hoops. It I've was been so asked, much fun. I've been asked several times to play and every time it kills me. It just kills me to say, no, I want to do it, but I also want to be able to like see my parents and stuff. So. Yeah. No, I I agree. We had we had the like a uh, hand sanitizer on the ready. Uh, it was outdoors, and so I wouldn't do it indoors, but it was still like a little bit weird. Um, but it it did feel good going back to play and like pick up again. I think everyone's going to be awful when it's like normal, but I don't even know when that's going to be. Now that it's winter time, I just don't think it can be really done. But it was fun, like actually having uh, competition and playing real basketball. So it kills me that I can't. That I haven't played since March. March 9th was the last time I played. Just devastating. It's tough stuff. It's not uh, the most fun. Um, I'm just doing one last check of uh, any more questions. But um, Bryce Wong wants us to revisit uh, the love of Newsies. But uh, I'll give you a chance to do that now. Oh. Santa Fe. (laughs) I watched that. After your last, I went through and watched uh, a bunch of the – Bunch of the old classics, and man, they still go. They still slap. I mean, if people haven't listened to Newsies yet or watched Newsies yet, I highly recommend. Now, this is the offseason, Jay, and we're going to have to do something to fill the content. And this is a question that comes from me. Will you commit in the next week to watching the movie Airbud and reviewing it on the next podcast? Absolutely not. Airbud is one of the shittiest basketball movies. We don't know that. When's the last time you've seen Airbud? time what if it's aged beautifully when i was however many years old i was old enough to know that air Bud is dog shit that it might be fun to watch it again and review a dog shit movie no no air Bud is 
the worst of the worst. I'd rather watch like Mike. I'd rather I mean, watch like Mike's Thunderstruck. I've never seen Thunderstruck. I'd rather watch basically any basketball movie of all time rather than that nonsense. I would even rather Jay, watch but this is basketball why... diaries, which <laughs> was one of the worst and most unstomachable movies ever created. The basketball scenes in that movie for players that were allegedly <laughs> like all Americans and shit made me want to puke. There is no movie worse than Basketball Diaries. The only thing that comes close is Air Bud. I will not review it for a podcast, and I am ashamed to be on a podcast with a co-host who wants to do that. Now, like, that last rant was probably a good, most entertaining two minutes of this entire podcast. As just, like, a producer, the idea of forcing you to watch Air Bud and then talk about it feels like that's good content. Tell me I'm wrong. It would be the angriest <laughs> I've ever been. I want to do a podcast where you watch Air Bud and then immediately podcast afterwards. I would I'm open to other ideas, but we gotta do we gotta fill up the sum because I don't think things are gonna change and I don't know what the hell we're gonna talk about next week. I've got you know what while we're here, I've got a, the notebook rant too. Oh, all ears, buddy. Jay King's the, movie corner. The notebook is the worst romantic movie of all time. Give me another room. Give me a good romantic. Anybody movie. who believes the notebook is a great love story has no clue what love is <laughs> the dude in that movie ryan gosling he had a high school fling and then in the middle of that high school fling the girl told him how she wanted her house to be 20 years later if that happened with someone in high school and he goes <laughs> and gets a beard and fucking spends his life creating that house for you. He is a stalker. He is a creep. <laughs> he should be put in jail. You do not leave a good man, a good fiance for Ryan Gosling as cute as he may be. That is <laughs> one of the worst movies of all time and I actually I I will judge people who appreciate the notebook because to to overlook the creepiness of Ryan Gosling's character. Now refresh me. Did he they had no contact in between this high school and the building of the home 20 years later? He sent he sent letters to her and and she never responded to them. And then Yeah, that's he messed up. That's just like did some creepy, creepy ass shit. Just, is like uh, no, back in the you, day was that you creepy? Don't, you don't get back with Ryan Gosling. You get a restraining order on his ass. I mean, he's calling. It's basically like, what was that set in the 1870s? I have no idea. The early 1900s? Maybe that's just like what he he was checking in with the letters, sending no. progress pics. Just, he, just put up this wall. That's a creepy motherfucker. <laughs> that is an unforgivable act. He, sh he should have been put in jail. That should not have been the the plot of a ro romantic movie. That was honestly that, that's a horror movie. Like that ends up <laughs> with with that poor woman just mauled by a creepy, <laughs> creepy son of a bitch. 
See, this is good stuff. Jay King hating on movies, hate watching movies is the content that people crave. And so I would prefer that you, we all as a podcast watch Air Bud and talk about it next week. But if not, give me another movie that I can watch and the listener God can watch and we can check in in Jay King's movie corner next week. What should the people be watching, tuning into this weekend? We'll we'll think of something. We'll we'll find a movie for the Air people. Bud. If enough people tweet at Jay King that they've watched Air Bud, he's going to have to watch it because he can't disappoint the people. I don't want to do that. <laughs> if everyone wants me to watch Air Bud, I'll be so ashamed in the listener gods. Tweet at by Jay King and say we want the bud, bud. Uh, <laughs> we want the bud, bud. End it there. Just, just end That's it. That's a perfect shame. place to end the podcast. Before we go, gotta give a shout out to uh, one of the staples of uh, Celtics Twitter, Sammy Sheehan, for turning 31 today. Uh, go give him a follow if you want to laugh and cry and all your emotions. Um, thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything Is Potable. Uh, if you liked it, enjoy, subscribe, tell a friend, give a five star review, listen wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, yeah, join us next week where we'll be discussing whatever happened in the world of Celtics and Jay King will be giving his review of Air Bud and maybe we, maybe we can convince him to watch Air Bud 2, uh, The Tale of the Golden Retriever. Uh, Golden Receiver, damn it. Sorry, I messed up. We will, we'll have to work on it next week. But thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable! Fuck the notebook. <laughs> I'm going to make you watch Air Bud, dog. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.